0: And you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash slash film.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, February 24th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film editor-in-chief Peter Soretta, And joining me on to this podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor, Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Writer, Y Trend Bowie.
2: Hey everyone.
1: And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, we have a short episode today. It's just there hasn't been much film and TV news, but there was a bit that broke on Friday after we recorded the podcast and some big Star Wars news. And that is that the director of Slight is developing a Star Wars movie with the writer of Luke Cage H2. What do we know?
2: Yeah, according to a new report from The Hollywood Reporter, Lucasfilm has hired Slight and Sweetheart director J.D. Dillard uh, to develop a new Star Wars movie alongside Luke Cage and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of Shield writer Matt Owens. Um, it's unclear whether Dillard will direct the project should it move forward, and it's currently undecided whether the fil- movie will be released theatrically or whether it'll be made for Disney+. Uh, but according to the report, uh, one thing we do know is that the new film is unrelated to a Star Wars film pitch by Marvel Studios chief Kevin Feige and the potential work from Ryan Johnson. So it's a wholly new project altogether, um, but no further details have been shared as of yet.
1: Uh, I love jd dillard's uh debut film it uh, premiered at sundance a few years back actually if you buy the blu-ray it has a quote from me on the cover that's how much i liked slight um which is it's a very low budget film it was acquired by blumhouse and it, it i really like it quite a bit i think i'm the only one on this podcast that has seen that movie though right
3: uh yeah but i've seen his second film sweetheart which i've talked about on this podcast a few times uh at fantastic fest and then uh it made our top moments of the year uh, for one big key scene. Uh, and I'm wondering if that's the movie that got him a Star Wars because Slight is, from what I understand, Peter, correct me if I'm wrong, more of a low key film, whereas uh, Sweetheart is a special effects driven monster movie where he pulls off a whole lot on a low budget. So I feel like that's a good calling card for him to have gotten a, a Star Wars movie.
1: Yeah. Um, Chris, you also saw Sweetheart?
4: uh yeah yeah and uh, it's it's good it's good not great but um i'm very curious to see how this turns out he also directed uh last night's episode of the outsider which i haven't watched yet but when i watch it today i'm going to going to study it to look for clues for star wars
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm betting there's no coincidence that this news broke the friday before his episode premiered maybe to drop some buzz or something
4: yeah,
3: maybe. Yeah, uh, I do want to say that at the Fantastic Fest screening, uh, J. D. Dillard, his intro was really fun and interesting because uh, uh, he's a black man and he spoke about how, as a film director, all he wanted was to make genre movies where a black woman was able to fight a monster after growing up seeing white people do that for years. So I'm very, very curious to see if he will be able to bring that kind of diversity into Star Wars because he made it very, very clear <laughs> introducing Sweetheart that he uh, that that was important to him. So I like I'm very curious to see what the pitch was and what brought him into star Wars here.
1: Yeah. I, I will say this. Uh, he is a long time star Wars fan. I, I interviewed him for slight. And uh, during that interview, he showed me, he has a tattoo on his arm of Boba Fett. Which maybe this is a Boba Fett movie? Probably not. Um, but he worked. He started working for J.J. Abrams as his assistant. He worked on Star Wars: The Force Awakens. I think as like some kind of production assistant of some kind. And he was a stormtrooper in that. He was actually a stormtrooper in Rise of Skywalker. He's like a huge Star Wars nerd. And I know also he was a. Uh, developing a reboot of the fly uh i I joked on on twitter i I know it is a bit reductive to be like you know he's gonna be directing the 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 one black uh character or one of the only black characters in star wars uh a movie based on that but i I joked on twitter because there's this whole movement i guess it's following the whole uh you know release the snatter cut or whatever uh the star wars fans uh there's a big group of star wars fans that love solo and there's this hashtag uh make solo two happen and i we know that donald glover was attached to more movies and i i theorized when solo came out that if they ever made a solo sequel it wouldn't be a solo sequel it would be a lando movie that kind of continues the story and maybe involves some of the bad the same bad guys and stuff like that so i i was kind of joking that uh maybe that would be a good avenue of for him because he uh he has some good comedy chops to him in, in addition to the, uh, the 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 visual effects and the geekiness. Um, but honestly, I would like to see him do something that is a new character that we have never seen. You know, new part of this galaxy, a new idea. But uh, I guess the question is, J- Jacob, do you think Disney has learned from their mistakes? Or do you think they're going to, you know, do you think this is something having to do with the legacy character?
3: It's a really good question. I would love for them to realize that for all of the controversy starting Last Jedi and Skywalker and the embattlement among fans, the one thing that I think people seem to agree on is that people love Ray. they love Poe, they love Kylo Ren, they love the new characters. They embraced those new characters wholeheartedly even if they disagreed where the story went, uh, whether you're a Ryan Johnson fan or a JJ Abrams fan or something in between. I think that Disney and Lucasfilm should be aware of the fact that People are hungry for Star Wars stories and characters that reflect, you know, the new generation and reflect, you know, people who uh, are Star Wars fans but don't feel like Han Solo or Luke Skywalker, you know, is theirs. They want something that belongs to them. So I really hope that that's what this is. Yeah, sure. It will be fun to see more Lando. I really enjoyed Don Glover's Lando, but I would be far more excited if the director of Sweetheart was given, you know, a chance to create his own page of Star Wars history.
1: Yeah. Chris, what what do you think, you know, you've seen Sweetheart, what do you think about a potential Star Wars movie from JD? Like, is, is that something you'd be interested in?
4: Yeah, and I would I'd be very, I would be much more interested if it, if it is, uh, you know, new stuff, new characters. You know, I, I'm one of the few people who actually thought Solo was fine. I actually like Solo more than Rogue One, and I feel like I'm the only person on Earth who feels that way. But at the same time, I, I really want, If Star Wars is to continue, I want them to do new things. I want them to introduce new characters and new worlds and not keep going back to the same stuff over and over again. By the way, tonight on the Disney
1: lot, I'm going to this event where they're going to unveil Project Luminous, which is a Star Wars connected thing. I think it's from Star Wars, the book publishing. So I don't think it has anything to do with the movies or TV shows, but it's like a lot of the great Star Wars writers um, got together. They, I think they like had a retreat at Skywalker ranch or something for like a couple weeks and they planned out like this whole huge interconnected. I think it's going to connect between comic books and books and maybe even video games, who knows um, this kind of, Thing exploring a new, new part of the Star Wars u- universe. I'm talking out of my butt right now because I don't really know anything about it. But we will know more tonight, and I'll talk about that tomorrow. But uh, I think a lot of people are speculating that we'll have something to do with the movies and TV shows. I don't think that's the case because the event is being brought to you by uh, Del Rey Publishing, which is the the book company that that makes the Star Wars books. But uh, that will be interesting. Uh, to to find out what what that is, because it seems like the movie, you know, there's not any movies coming up in the foreseeable future. I mean, even this JD project probably isn't going to happen anytime soon. So, um, okay, let's move on. Uh, Today's episode is going to be really short. Like I said, we don't have that much news. Uh, Let's talk about this Martin Scorsese rumor. And uh, he might want to move his latest film to Netflix. Chris, was he that happy with how Netflix treated the Irishman?
4: I mean, apparently, so yeah. This is a rumor, but it comes from uh, Richard Rushfield, who you know knows his stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna assume he's he's on the money here with this. But uh, the story goes like this: so with The Irishman, Netflix gave Martin Scorsese you know uh, a lot of money and a lot of freedom to basically do whatever he wants, and he obviously very much enjoyed that because now he's making um, Killers of the Flower Moon with Paramount, you know, a more traditional studio. And according to this this rumor, the budget has uh, gone very high. It's at 225 million right now, and that's making Paramount very nervous. You know, even though this movie stars Leonardo DiCaprio, who you know is a, a box office draw, Paramount is a little nervous about the budget. And um, wait, what be- what, is, what is this movie about? Uh, this is based on a true story. Um, back in the 1920s. Uh, this this area in Oklahoma, uh, this Native American uh, area in Oklahoma, became very wealthy because they found out it was on top of uh, oil. And then um, the, the the Native American people who lived at this area was being murdered one by one. And this was like in the 1920s, and the FBI was sort of like in its infancy at the time, so they started investigating and. So the the movie is all about the investigations into those murders and uh how they were part of a a bigger conspiracy and and so on and so forth. Wait,
1: wait. So why is this movie going to cost 225 million dollars? That doesn't sound like know. that sounds like a sub 100 million dollar movie even with Leo's paycheck.
4: All I know is <laughs> I'm of the mind that you should give Martin Scorsese everything he wants. <laughs> so I don't I don't have a problem with this, but the you know the story goes that Scorsese is so disappointed with being back in you know this more traditional system that he's sort of pining for netflix to like swoop in and be like ah paramount will buy this movie from you um you know this is more like a wishful thinking thing there's no indication that this is actually like netflix is actually going to buy the movie but uh you know netflix has a relationship with paramount so stranger things could happen i mean paramount uh did uh, annihilation and they were so hesitant about that movie overseas that they just dumped that directly to netflix uh outside the u.s so uh i i don't think they would do that with this this seems like a much bigger movie but uh
1: who's to say well you know their their oscar gamble on the irishman didn't completely pay off right so right. I, I, is netflix gonna want to spend 225 million dollars it do you think they're gonna would want to take this on
2: I mean, we all know Netflix has a bottomless well of resources, so I'm sure they'll be happy to throw whatever money at Scorsese even if the last gamble didn't quite work off work out well with uh, The Irishman not really taking home any Oscars. Um so we'll see.
1: Yeah, I'm just interested like what is a $225 million like movie like this doesn't seem like it does it, like need th- doesn't seem like it requires that much money. I mean, I like, guess I'll... Peter is yeah.
3: If you watch the special features for Wolf of Wall Street, that movie has so many visual effects shots. Like, the the Wolf of Wall Street and Irishman uh, are, like, as effects heavy as Avengers Endgame. You you just don't see it. So, I'm wondering if the attempt to recreate 1920s America, and in the the particular way that Scorsese wants, is driving up this dropping up a digital effects uh, budget that is just outrageous. That's that' would be my guess, but i I, I can't but, say for sure,
1: but you look at David Fincher's Zodiac, which has, like you say, like is filled with visual effects shots that you wouldn't even recognize as visual effects shots. And that movie was shot for sixty five million. And this this I, I know that was a few years ago, what that was like, I guess for 10 years now, Um, but it seems like this movie should be under a hundred million dollars to me. I don't know. Maybe I don't know the full story, but like, I don't know. It just seems hard to believe that any movie that doesn't involve, you know, spaceships or superheroes really requires over $200 million these days. But uh, I don't know. Who knows? we'll see. We'll see what happens with this. Uh, another rumor that's going around is that Jurassic World three might bring back one of the main characters from Jurassic Park. We already know that uh, some of the main characters come back, but this is a new one. HD, tell us about it.
2: Yes, according to actor Joseph Mazzello, who played the signature snot nosed kid of the nineteen ninety three Jurassic Park. Tim, uh he may be coming back to star to reprise his character in jurassic world 3 in a cryptic tweet uh mazello said i think it's time to get back to work what do you say gang and this tweet comes just as chris uh, pratt revealed that he will be heading out to set to begin filming jurassic world 3 um and uh the he Pratt also recently compared the film to Avengers Endgame in its massive ensemble. So why not bring back Tim and his electric fence?
1: Yeah, but is is anybody going to recognize that actor as Tim? Like, couldn't you just like recast the role at that point? Like, I feel like you know, you mentioned Avengers Endgame at the end, at the funeral at the end. It's only been a couple of ye- years, but we don't even recognize the kid from Iron Man three in in the, you know the end of that movie. Like. It, or is it just, like, you know, is it for press to be, like, we, we got the, the original cast back together?
2: It's for all the hardcore fans of Tim, <laughs> Peter. Tim. <laughs> obviously.
1: Uh, as a kid who watched this movie, I, I was a fan of the, the kids in this movie at the time. Uh, but what? how—OK, okay, I can see Alan Grant getting roped back into, you know, dinosaurs have escaped. Uh, spoilers for Jurassic World to fallen kingdom here but dinosaurs have escaped and now they're roaming the earth uh so there's probably a role for for alan grant in that whole mess and there's uh but what is the role for tim or is lex gonna come back too
2: there's no news on Lex, but, uh, you know, Lex and her computer hacking skills. Uh, was it a Alina system? I can't remember, but she could, you know, have with those out. And, you know, maybe Tim has become a, an expert on electric fences after his first run in with the fence. So he's going to be called in to make more fences. So, you know, that's I've already written that there for you.
1: Oh, that's it. They're going to capture all the dinosaurs and create a high tech zoo to keep him in and he's in charge of creating the fences and that'll set up you know the next trilogy because that zoo obviously things will go wrong and uh jacob what do you think about this like is there any reason to bring back the kids
3: uh not at all i I think this is purely an example of he's gonna show up wave the camera and vanish i I cannot imagine tim along with all the returning Jurassic world characters all the other characters people like a lot more all the new characters This is going to be a Jurassic uh, Park Lost World situation where he pops in to say hello and vanishes for the rest of the movie. I cannot imagine this being a substantial role.
1: Yeah, maybe it's like when they rope Alan Grant into this, like Tim's working for him or something like that.
3: Tim's cleaning his pool, you know, just (laughs) doing errands around his house. Okay,
1: our final story for today is some casting news for The Little Shop of Horrors remake. Chris, what do we know?
4: Yes, yeah, so this is a very surprising bit of casting. So Chris Evans is in talks to, to join the film, but not as uh, the lead. He's in talks to play the dentist character that was made famous by Steve Martin in the 1986 film. And I I kind of love this. I love that Chris Evans' is post- captain america career is him playing assholes basically like he's got knives out now he's got this he's just gonna keep playing really jerky guys which is such a big difference from captain america and he's going to sing too apparently now so there's that too are we excited for this little shop of horrors remake like who's directing this uh greg berlanti who uh, i'm really not familiar with his work he does you know the cw shows so that Gives me a little pause, but he
2: directed Love Simon, which was an oh, okay. adequate raw uh, teen rom com. Oh, yeah, I it loved a, Love Simon. Know, yeah, it was good. It was cute. Um, and I will say, as one of the few people who did watch the CW shows, <laughs> he has a good handle on musical sequences. At least there was a couple of musical episodes of Flash and the Supergirls, a musical crossover episode. Actually, that was uh, quite fun and charming. So you know, maybe he could have a, a good uh, spin off of Little Shop of Horrors.
3: Right. The reason I love this casting is that in the Steve Martin performance in the 1986 film, uh, it's funny because Steve Martin is playing a really macho, sadistic, crazy person. But the joke is that it's Steve Martin who is in no way an actually hyper-masculine person. Whereas <laughs> the idea of Captain America playing like the worst possible male is <laughs> is inherently funny. In, in, in a way, it's different from Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited to see how they pull that off.
1: We'll have to see how the rest of the casting for this – a remake comes about uh, but that does it for today's episode you can find more of all of our work at slash you can find links to the stories that we mentioned on today's podcast in the show notes you can find this podcast slash daily published every weekday on itunes google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send us your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter and rate and read this podcast on itunes tell your friends spread the word and we will see you tomorrow